the situation in the country deteriorated, deteriorated even further. Um, really strong winds, both inside the country and from the outside, that are preparing the situation for the dissolution of the country, coupled with a very inappropriate response from the international community, or may I say often even the lack of one, uh, or even the lack of one. The, um, in that context, well, let me just say something else. Um, during the process of um, creating the crisis situation in the country, done by Mr. Dodik of Republika Srpska and certainly supported by Mr. Chovic of HDZ HDZ party, Croat Democratic Community, that's the name of the party, um, which are trying to really ultimately carve out the parts of the territory in preparation for the dissolution of the country and giving them almost the appearance of the state in its own right, or the country in its own right. Um, in, in that process of the crisis, the, the current coalition that includes the two of those, uh, plus representatives of the Bosniak side, if you will, they had a meeting in Konyit, a city near Sarajevo, where they were trying to de-escalate the situation. And in that meeting, Mr. Dodik used an expletive like the F, get genocide, because they mentioned that. And then, of course, um, we've seen that before, we've seen before the many occasions in which he denied that Holocaust, that uh, genocide, I'm sorry, happened. But this is the first time he used the expert to have it. And in that context happened this um, peace march leading to the commemoration of the events of the 11th of July of 1995, in which close to 9,000 people perished, or more than 8,000. And um, this was my fifth peace march. But at no point was it as meaningful as it was this time. Perhaps because of the situation, because of the crisis, uh, the contrast between what these people are saying and the actual suffering you see in the eyes of those who survived the genocide, the mothers. And the stories you hear from the hosts 
at night that you visit, that open their home to you. The contrast was so huge that I couldn't help myself but to go deeper and deeper into the suffering of those people and be angrier and angrier that these people have to go through it the second time. First of all, there are those there are those that lost many, many members. Some of them for 20, 30 members of the family. Some of them four or five kids uh, taken away from them, the husband. And then somebody tells you, no, it didn't happen. This is also happening in the context of the, of the Croat person who was released from the prison jail after serving the sentence for the crimes committed in the war, who basically said, well, given a chance, I would do it again. Um, that, this peace march was really tough. Aside from the conditions that were harsh in the sense of heat, um, aside from the fact that I had um, some kind of cold, my nose was stuffed and it was hard to breathe because of that and because of the incline and because of the weather, the hot weather, the humid weather. But it was the hardest. Um, the third day I thought I wouldn't be able to make it and somehow you end up and at a sacred place, which is our moment where you enter Potocari, the memorial center where the graves are. And I always remember, and it always surprises me, the silence of the participants, the silence of the spectators, the silence of the people waiting for us, the mothers, watching each other in complete silence, the tears on both sides, and it goes through that divine ups on both sides of the, in the street and go through that and you enter the memorial center. At that moment, no matter how hard it was, you forget everything and you're just glad that you had the chance to do that and in some very, very, very small way show respect and make some kind of contribution to ease their pain. Which is impossible, but at least you think you, you tried to do something. So it was hard. Really, really, really hard. Um, and the last night we stayed the night before the uh, uh, mass funeral. We spent at a home of a person who lives actually in Srebrenica, surrounded by the Serb neighbors, and listen to their stories of life today. That's not easy where the neighbors, um, some, remind them constantly that it was not a one-time event. 
there are neighbors who are helping and helpful and respectful, but many who aren't. Uh, and then yesterday, I came back from Kozaratz, on the other side of the country, where the court didn't want to declare a genocide, but in 92, at the beginning of the war, many disappeared in the city of Prieder and uh, surrounding areas. Bosnians disappeared in, or were taken to um, several concentration camps, perished afterwards. So I went to another mass funeral, those whose remains they find in the last year, including a person who lost six of his sons. And it's just a constant reminder, one after another, of the atrocities of the worst kind that human beings can commit. In the name of what, I don't understand. They think they know. And somehow, those things and I hope that the perpetrators know this. Those things don't break you, don't diminish your resolve. They create a lion in you who's ready to fight. And interestingly enough, because of this, the last fifth, not the last, the last thus far, the fifth peace words. I have never been as determined to do my part to change this country for the better than I have ever been. So if there's any message in this to those who commit crimes, who do evil, the message is the loss is only yours in the end. And there is no way it can be any other way. Um, other than that, we are consumed with what is happening in the, in the country. We are affected by anything that is happening in the world. Ukraine, in particular Russia, China. Um, we are seeing the fact that the United States unfortunately, and the European Union have decided to appease Serbia, appease Serbia, in exchange for peace in the Western region controlled by them. Kosovo is part of that, and they have to give something to Kosovo, but appease Serbia for that loss, loss as seen by Serbians. And in the process, they will sacrifice Bosnia-Herzegovina, Macedonia, and Montenegro. The three countries that will benefit from that are Serbia, Croatia, and Albania. Very unfortunately, because 
it is in the case of Serbia and Croatia at least it is um, the situation where you don't punish those who commit crimes you don't punish those who have never admitted what they have done who espouse different values not in line with those of the democratic advanced progressive societies and i am uh, really more and more concerned for the fate not only the western balkans but uh, the but the world in general it, it is as if the values are shifting toward the the might the power the pragmatic approach to life where the values of justice are no longer the, the beacon, the leading guide, justice, equality. Anyway, too much whining for the day. I'm just um, just mad and angry at, at the world but more determined than ever to do my part to right the wrongs so we'll see that's it for today I don't know how many times I've asked why I, I when you tell me this stuff it's like I still can't grasp why it's so evident of what's going on, yet Bosnia and Herzegovina continues to suffer because those who could intervene to do something don't. Right. I mean, and um, unfortunately, it seems as if the world is really not just and perhaps has never been, that there are interests that interest in general drives the world and there are different those with more power assume that their interests are above the interests of others there are no universal values even though people talk about them people talk about human rights but they are insincere they talk about their human rights and the human rights of others whose interests don't align with yours don't are not subject to the same rights um, as the rights of the powerful nations or society or civilization societies or civilizations I'm a I'm becoming a cynic, actually. Um, I used to believe in universal values, universal truth, and I understand that we are just humans, that all of us have our own perception, our own views, our own upbringings, nature and nurture. I understand that. But in the end, we as a human race should, must, find a way to work together 
for the benefit of us all because we have one home called Earth that we inhibit. And the fact that we differ from each other is a blessing because we can explore the realm of possibilities better with different approaches, different mindsets than any one of us could with a single mindset, single approach. That has never been the actual priority of the human race. The United Nations, an attempt to create something super supernatural, never achieved its actual goal. Uh, we will see a lot more pain, destruction, before we realize that in the end we are all the same in, in our value and different in our experience and that we have to work together to find a way to another home and another place that we will arrive at only through the common effort, common work. Uh, we'll see. So interest trumps everything, including justice and uh, righteousness. So maybe I'm becoming too cynical, but it's hard not to be after you see what I see here. And um, just talking to my son-in-law, coming here from the dinner, from the lunch. Um, He said, I don't know how you are coping with all of this or have been in the past five years. And I said, you know what, these five years is almost like, or have been like spending 20 years in the United States in terms of the toll the years take on your body, on your mind. But Everybody carries its cross, so you have to carry yours. Well, you you had shared some of the stories from the march. Did you meet any other individuals or anything that stands out through those three days that you could share? This was a beautiful thing was um, that this year, uh, Dr. John Cox, professor mm -hmm. from UNC Charlotte, joined us and his wife, Louise. He was um, going to a conference on genocide and Holocaust in Barcelona, in Spain, and decided to come to Sarajevo before and after the conference. And he started, they, um, they arrived the day before the conference, they have another conference, sorry, the Peace March. Mm -hmm. And we waited for them, and we were to take them to Tuzla, where we will start from Nezuk, about an hour away from Tuzla. We waited for them so that we could drive together to Tuzla, spend the night, and in the morning we would start the march, peace march. Their plane, uh, their flight was canceled, a flight from... Um, oh, jeez. Uh, it's from Frankfurt to, Frankfurt to Zagreb. <clears throat> So instead of arriving at 3.30, 3.40 p.m., through a lot of changes and um, anxiety, they arrived close to 11 p.m. We took them at the airport, drove 
to Tuzla, I arrived close to 2 a.m. Wow. Went into the hotel, a motel, whatever it is, whatever it was, and um, got up at 6 a.m., started the journey. And walking with the two of them was, was marvelous. Yeah. People love the fact that there's an American walking with them, a professor from the United States who understands and studies genocide and Holocaust. A lot of people wanted to talk to him, take a picture of him. Um, unfortunately, he couldn't. Um, he had some later in the day had some uh, cramps and couldn't um, continue walking that day and it was difficult on both legs um, I hope that's how you call it uh, cramps yeah. um, so they ended up cutting it short and going to Sarajevo um, called me later on to tell me that um, in Barcelona uh, his wife got ill, something ate, and then they had to go back to the United States earlier than they expected or hoped for. And um, But his presence that first day was marvelous. Um, glad he had a chance to, to see firsthand um, what the path looks like. Um, what the survivors are talking because some of them actually uh, the survivors saw the original uh, death march um, saying and it was interesting Louise I remember that the first night in the camp uh, while waiting for the when we arrived uh, one of us knew um, the lady of possibly the largest house in that place called the Lipia, the first uh, camp on the Peace March. And uh, her house is next to the center. There is a, almost like a small, small football field. And that's where the ceremonies, not ceremonies, but um, events of commemoration take place. And that happens in every camp. And um, basically, the, the person who knew this lady, the owner uh, of the house, said, why don't we go there for refreshment? And we all went there. There was like 10 of us. Now remember, imagine somebody, 10 people shows up, show up at your house with unannounced, sit down and expect to go to the restroom, to, to wash themselves, to have coffee, to eat. And all, not only 10 of us, but when we arrived, there were like 50 other people already there, some of them sitting outside, some of them inside, someone on the balcony. And um, John and Louise decided to take a walk around the camp to see the atmosphere. And we sent somebody out there to find them and invite them to the house because they arrived a little bit earlier than we did. And so they wanted to see the camp. That person found them and said, uh, let's go to this house, get some refreshment. And, and Louise said, what do you mean, we'll go to the house? Um, she said, yeah, yeah, it's, everybody's there. But but we didn't tell the lady, we didn't announce that we were going to show up. She said, come on, it doesn't matter, she's Bosnia, just, let's just go. Um, he was amazed by that simple fact. And that's a norm here. 
during the peace march, during the times, uh, extra uh, extraordinary times. I mean, she showed up. She saw all the people around, sitting in the outside, inside, backyard. Everybody exhausted, talking about the, everybody's trying to take some breath uh, after the long trek. Went inside, the coffee was served, the watermelon, the cake, the, mm. the water. And she just couldn't get over it. It was, to her, it was amazing. Then, then we were divided, uh, we were sp staying in another house. So we all went there, the, the owner there, no, the owner was not there. So he asked the neighbor to prepare all the food, to prepare all the beds. They even roasted a lamb on the, on the spit and that's our tradition. And, and this was a little bit higher. Uh, we got they went there with a the car, so the view was beautiful, gorgeous. So that was another one. She couldn't believe that somebody else was doing it for all of you guys, for all of us. So that um, her amazement at this was something that stuck with me as a very, very, very positive side of all of it. If there's anything good about. Um, that event in terms of the sorrow that the original thing, the genocide actually caused. And just one last one here, and it may be so too soon for you to answer this, but you were saying the current events and the march combined has had the most impact that it's had on you in five years, and you're more motivated now than ever to make a change and a difference. Do you have anything that you're thinking or contemplating that will move you more towards that direction? Oh, uh, well, a lot of things are being crystallized in my head. I'm thinking about the future. I will be in this role of the president of the party until, God willing, October, local elections of next year. Then somebody else will take over. I'll find a way to help through preparation of other people to be in that spot or in this fight. Um, I realize that this is like many times before, I, as I know I've said this, this is a long-term battle. We have to find the people. We have to prepare them. We have to promote the values, find a way to promote these values, find a way to change the society. I know and I accept the fact that I will not see the results of it. And I know that it's, um, the changes are only likely if the roots are deep and it takes the time. It takes time for those roots to find a way through inhospitable terrain to those that can nourish it. And that's our task, to find the right people. And I'm motivated, yes, to do that. That's the task ahead of us. Find the people who are ready for the message and are willing to truly sacrifice themselves. If I'm not talking about closing life. I'm talking about the time and resources and effort ready to spend that. Um, 
on this way to a different, better country. And once we succeed in, in that, conveying that message, finding those people, then it becomes just a matter of time when there will be the critical mass that will change this, this country. And I am somehow also convinced that we will not change as Bosnia-Herzegovina. We'll change the neighboring countries, we'll change the Western Balkans, but we will, through that, change Europe as well, and then the world. The world needs an example where difference can work together to achieve more. Everybody talks about it, it's a lip service, they don't do it. We are naturally diverse. It's our natural strength. It is always and has always been that those who, the populists, who are more interested in power and the top than the actual change, they use diversity as the reason to divide people. And that's not just the case in Bosnia and Herzegovina, that is the case everywhere. And if we succeed here, I think we can be the, the example for the world.